Hello. Hello. Welcome to this week's edition of the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Lily Cox. And I'm Nikki Pope. And this week we're talking about the image of the hairdressing industry. Yes, that's right. We have a guest with us this week who will have plenty to say, I'm sure, on this subject. Please welcome Andrew Hall, Art Director of Idlewild Hairdressing. Andrew jointly owns five successful salons and has more than 30 years experience in the industry himself, but I know comes from a long heritage of hairdressing and is going to help us explore the topic. Thank you very much for asking me today, Nikki. It's a pleasure to be here. Welcome. Great. Well, shall we kick off then, Andrew? Could you tell us a little bit about what attracted you to the hairdressing industry? What attracted me initially to the hairdressing industry was the fact that it was a, a giving in industry where people were made to feel happy. My father is actually a bar- was actually a barrister and wanted me to go into the law. Uh, I approached that and said, no, the last thing I want to do is go and see people who come to see you because they're unhappy. Right. Mm. I wanted to go out into the world where people enjoy coming to visit you. Yeah, sure. But you had, I think, a knowledge of or a family history prior to your father? I had a knowledge of of family history in the hairdressing industry. My grandfather, um, post-Second World War, um, founded a chain of hairdressers in the Midlands. He went on to own 22 salons. um, And he built up a very strong brand there in the in the Midlands Um, and also my aunt continued on um, his journey and kept continued to run the company until she retired which is now being continuously run I was very much inspired by the works of Fidel Sassoon's and the art world and so went to do my training there afterwards prior to going and joining um, Mahogany in Oxfordshire and then setting up with my two friends. So how long is it since you, the three of you set up Ride World? We originally set up uh, our company on July the 6th, the 6th 2002. Our listeners, could you tell us, Andrew, who your partners are at Ride World? My business partners are a gentleman called Mark Creed, who I'm sure many of you have heard of. Um, he And also a gentleman called Sam Harding. Uh, we both we all have our individual roles within the salons, and uh, miraculously, after all this time, we're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> and roughly, how many employees across the five salons? Across the five salons, we have approximately seventy employees. We approach each salon um, to do our in-house training, so we close one of the salons one day a week, and uh, Sam Harding heads up the training there. Um, and we provide our own career structure throughout. And where do you think, let's start uh, with each of us perhaps saying where we think the image of hairdressing is at today. For me, it's kind of midway about where it should be. I think that um, there's, there's a lot of room for improvement. I don't think it has as good an image as it ought to have, as it deserves. I think often hairdressing is viewed as just a job not a career. Um, within the idle world system, we try and make sure people, it's instilled into people that it is a career and we will provide that for people. But I think the general perception from the public is that it, it's not quite a, as much of a worthy job as it is. Whereas actually, it's a job where you can change people's lives, you can enhance 
people's lives. Yeah. And yeah. you're, as I said a bit originally, it's a giving industry, which makes hopefully makes people happy. Yeah. And Lily, what do you... Well, I have to say, and, and I am actually ashamed to say it, that before I started working in the hairdressing industry on the journalist and media side, I didn't really see it as a viable career path. I have to say, the people that I knew who went into hairdressing were people who were at school, were maybe not very academic and dropped out and went into beauty colleges. And that was my only real experience of the hairdressing industry. And now, having worked on it from the other side, I'm amazed by what people can do and the opportunities they have for travel and um, progression and and business as well. I think it's bonkers, really, that it's not shouted about earlier. I think the hairdresser is largely invisible. I think essentially people are not actually seeing the hairdressing industry, uh, the actual hairdressers themselves, as uh, somebody who's a total professional, whereas actually you've worked for three years to perfect your art, to perfect your craft. You are a professional. One of the things that I try and instill in my staff uh, and as much as possible is when you go to a a dinner party or you're stood at a bar and somebody says, what do you do? The last thing you should ever, ever say is, I am just a hairdresser. You are not just a hairdresser. You yeah. are somebody <laughs> who can enhance someone's lives. You are providing a very valuable service. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that really needs to be put out there that, you know, we help, we transform people's lives we can enhance them or unfortunately we can wreck them yeah <laughs> and i think there's two sides to the question one to me or two aspects one is how to promote the image of hairdressing and the other is how to safeguard the image of hairdressing because so i think that some of the ways that hairdressing is portrayed on tv for example is not particularly helpful at the moment Mm-hmm. There was the heyday, arguably, in the 90s of hairdressing on TV. We had changing rooms. We had 10 Years Younger, which were TV shows that were very, very popular and really showed the transformative power of hairdressing um, through to sort of reality TV shows like The Salon. And now it's almost become a bit, little bit sort of pantomime Caricature. Um, yeah, a caricature. And, and also, you know, I've seen TV shows where non-hairdressers are invited to show how they can work on hair and be judged by hairdressers who've spent such a long time training. I sort of think to myself, why would you encourage people to think that you can have a go? I think, you know, you're very right to actually, it's quite wrong to actually say that it's valid for somebody to have a go at doing somebody's hair when they've had no training. Um, The training is absolutely vital and, you know, within the industry, those people who are trained well will go on if they have the passion to work and do well in life. A training is a, and the influx of new, the new next generation is the most important thing yep. because I'm nearly 50 and I won't be standing up doing hair every day for a while but I have a very loyal clientele who are desperate to come yep. and I have clients who travel a very long way every six weeks. My salons are on in Oxfordshire and I have people who come from Norfolk to come and get their hair done. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they, my clients also are very passionate about seeing how our young apprentices grow within the business. Yeah. 
One of the things I like to see is when we get an apprentice come into the salons at the beginning of their career, they can arrive with the job and the attitude of it's a job, I'm just a hairdresser. By the time they go through our system and get to the end of the three year, they are so proud when they pass their exams, mm. their parents are so proud and their parents have pushed and helped them through that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important. And it's important to bring the family in, I think, during the year, training years to invite the family and the friends to come and see the training nights or the shows or to, to really understand the challenges and to share in the successes. And I think that feeds a better image, doesn't it? And, and You're so right. To actually, we encourage parents, family to come into the salons to experience what they do. Uh, what their children do and we encourage them to come along and our staff to showcase their work to their families so that the, the family can be proud and that will mean that you know dad who works in a law firm yeah. w will be proud of his daughter and will mm. promote the hairdressing world and industry mm. he may work he may have a degree but his daughter has done something just as valuable yeah what well, do you think that hairdressers outside perhaps their family, more so with their friends, really share how much fun they're having in, in what they do. Do you get the feeling that they talk I, about it in their home lives and, and share with their friends? I think hairdressing is a very, very social animal. Uh, it's a very social job. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think the young people coming into the industry really do relish that. And they're proud to get, as they go through their career, they're, they're proud and they should most definitely be proud to bring their friends to the salons and get their hair done on the training school. And that's wonderful. Uh, and I think it is a very social thing, but we, we need to try and also put that across as a professional thing as well, not just a social experience. You, you are at work to do a job, not just to have fun. Yeah, although it is a fun environment. Of course, but I think, you know, to to build on that and what I said earlier about having no real idea of, of what a hairdressing career entailed, it's interesting to me that a lot of the public perception can be changed by the hairdresser themselves and from both sides, from the social side but also from the professional really pushing the opportunities and sharing the opportunities that they have I suppose. For me, I think that it's very exciting that we have campaigns and conversation more about the, the hashtag Choose Hair campaign. For example, encouraging people to go into schools and talk about hairdressing, which is an obvious thing to do and yet perhaps we haven't been doing it enough. But I also think we should be going and talking to kids younger than 15 or 16 to, to try and get back to the idea of it being a career choice. If you stopped an 11-year-old or a 12-year-old and said, you know, what do you want to be? or where do you think you're heading, to try and get more interest even younger, because I think leaving it to the 15, 16-year-olds is a bit late. I think you're totally correct. Um, recently, I've been um, asked by my old school as an alumni of the school to go back, and I'm considering doing that in early next year. Uh, the and, But I went to a very traditional... Um, boys boarding school, um, not the normal hunting ground for a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, the school was founded in 1425 and 
is used to training people to go on to what they term as white collar careers. Yeah. Uh, but I have spoken to varying people there and they've encouraged you to go back and say, well, if you are happy, if you are doing something which makes you happy, you are a success in life. Yeah. What a wonderful experience, though, to go and reach out to a, a non-traditional, as you say, hunting ground for hairdressers. Because those opportunities presumably aren't around for a lot of people within the industry to go and speak to, to those kind of pupils. It's pointing out that you know the industry has a lot to offer to people from all walks of life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that people should, shouldn't be ashamed at all of when they say, I'm a hairdresser. Yeah, we had a young gentleman come to work in one of our salons who's started out life as a carpet fitter. Um, and his father refused to talk to him when he did. He wanted to be a hairdresser. He was from a very traditional working family. And now he has, is very, very proud of what he's done, of what he has achieved, and is a key member of, of our team. And his father's equally proud. The opportunities to make a really strong business out of hairdressing is something that should be promoted as well as an opportunity. It's a, it's a job for life. It's not going to be replaced anytime soon. I think the high street of the next 20, 30, 40 years will still include hairdressing salons, whereas other businesses may well diminish and start being more online or, or more, more hidden. I can't see hairdressing salons going anywhere. Well, the one thing we can't, that a robot can't replace is a hairdress, hairdresser and mm. personal interaction. And the personal interaction is one of the key things which I think we should really be promoting is the fact that there are life skills that we are trained the you know we train our staff to deal with both happy people and unhappy people yeah um, and i think also um your group is an example of a salon that is exploring other ways that hairdressers can work with people or share some of the skills perhaps with people for mental well-being and so on we're actually uh, as a company we're just pr about to roll out a new project called care for your loved one um, which is something that I've been personally trying to work with, with Dementia Oxfordshire. I went on a dementia course to try and understand the process. Um, um, our idea is that we will actually teach the carer to look after their loved one, their grandmother, their aunt, whatever, and how to do the hair of that person to make them feel a bit better. Mm. And I think it's very important that you know, people who maybe can't get to a salon, maybe who are isolated, who might be frightened by the noises, by the, the sight of somebody they don't recognise in the mirror, mm -hmm. uh, looking in that mirror and not seeing who they think they are. Yeah. You know, if yeah. we can go out there, you can if I can go help train someone to do their hair, help them feel better, then we really are giving to the community. Mm. And if that community then, as businessmen, if we want to turn that into a marketing marketing opportunity we can turn around we can raise awareness for dementia for loneliness yeah. for the elderly for people who are suffering in any form of way we can raise that awareness in our own communities and that has got to be a good thing to promote both your salons and a sense of community amongst the people yeah i think it's a reciprocal respect if you respect your community and love it the community will love 
and respect. I think you mentioned the word shop. You mentioned the word hashtag. I'm not all that good on media, social media things. But one of the things that I do am passionate about is the hashtag shop local. You know, keep everything local. One of the things we do within our salon group is go out and give talks to the WI. Um, I do that in the evenings, in our own time, to help raise money for local charities. Uh, And we do the talk on the history of hairdressing. I start right the way back in the times of Neolithic periods. um, (laughs) And I right the way up through to the modern times. My business partner, Mark, often joins me and he adds the more hairdressing practical things. I become more academic and go off on a bit of a tangent about things ranging from uh, Queen Elizabeth I having to ban the portrayal of of wig, the portrayal of wigs as uh, Armada galleons after the Armada yeah. was defeated. Really? Um, so uh, you know that that's one of the small snippets yeah. <laughs> uh, that one can actually throw in. And actually, there are so many different ways that you can promote hairdressing, promote your business, but learn about your community and and share experiences and share share social times. The rise of what we would term the Instagram generation, where everything has to be clicked, be perfect, be filtered and edited, and is then put out there. And for many young people, it's all about or it seems from my older perspective it seems to be how many followers one has attained and how many likes one can get Um, but beyond that vacuous approach to it there it is a very valid way of getting that information out and if we can instill in our uh, younger generation their value in what we do and putting out a valued message of what we do, then that can be used in a very positive manner. Yeah. As salon owners, we have to try and guide people through filtering their own lives, uh, creating their own form of filter, rep- making sure that what their social side of, their, of what they put out can represent them to their friends, but does not I- influence yeah. or represent the industry badly. Do you have um, guidelines within your salon group about what people can and can't do in the name of Idlewild online? We do. We ask for those people who are doing their friends and family's hair out of work to if it uh, to not put it on our uh, site if it was done at home. That anything done within our salon should be accredited to our salon. Mm-hmm. And we also ask them that if they go out on a Saturday night with their friends, who may be friends from within the company, that they don't put idle wild night out, <laughs> that they put yeah. great night out with my friends. Yeah. And mostly people, once it's pointed out to them, will understand, do get it. And we've had very little problem with that once it, the initial idea is put out to them. Definitely. Can I ask you then, Andrew, we've talked a little bit about the transformative power of hair and why you came into the hairdressing industry. Um, because of the ability to make people look and feel great. And I know we've discussed before, you know, how wonderful people feel if they're having a good hair day. So with all that in mind, why is it, do you think, that the hairdresser as a role isn't isn't valued more or as a career path? 
I know that's a big question. I'll just... I think... How do you see The that? hairdresser... The hairdresser has this ability to change and enhance, but we're not celebrated as much as I don't think we should be, partially because I don't think people value themselves enough. Linking back to what you said about saying, saying I'm just I'm, a hairdresser. No, you are able to to really help. And, and this is really gets brought home to me when I do the, the wigs of cancer patients. Mm. Um, and then I part of what I do is I help to get that next hair back and guide them through the journey of not the hair that they've lost, looking forward to the hair that they're going to gain. Mm. And people focus predominantly on what they have lost, uh, not what they're looking forward to. And I think that works very well within the salon industries that people say, look, I've got a great new haircut, not, oh, you've cut all that off my hair. Mm. Uh, so it's we are giving, we're making, we're building. And I think, you know, that our staff um, need to speak to our clients about the other things we do in the salons. You know, we need to point out that the Little Princess Trust is such a wonderful thing, um, that the My New Hair is a wonderful thing. Mm. Personally, I've been working a little bit with um, Nottingham University in Boots to try and work on training, hair, a pro- programme to help train hairdressers to spot illness. We as hairdressers see people, we're observant, we see people closer than their families because we notice them. Yeah, Mrs Jones sitting in the seat is just mum or wife <laughs> when they go home. But when she comes to you, it's her hour of special time. It's her time where she can sit there and feel really valued and really looked after. And it's our job as hairdressers to really give that to that person. But also, you are in a very trusted position. You are within someone's comfort zone. You have your hands in the hair. I'm the only man that gets to run my hands through 10 ladies' hair a day and doesn't get slapped. (laughs) Um, And I can then look, and if I see a mole... on somebody's skin that's not quite right, something on someone's scalp that shouldn't be there. I feel it's my job to actually say, look, I suggest a trip to the doctors. Mm. And that's something incredibly valuable. Mm. And if we can, as hairdressers, start expanding our nurturing side of our business, our caring side of our business, then I think we're going to portray our business far better and hopefully attract more people into the industry. Is there something more, putting positive spin on it, is there something more that the brands and the manufacturers can do to help support hairdressing as a really brilliant career move to to help us? Because it's in their interest as well, to safeguard. You're quite right. It's in their interest to safeguard our industry and promote it. And I think, really, they should be involving hairdressers slightly more in think tanks regarding what we would like as hairdressers not giving us something and telling us this is what you need. Um, also, you know, valuing our approach to how we can deal th- with our clients. Um, and if something is accredited uh, to a particular hairdresser, if something has been sanctioned by them, that person, that hairdressing group, should really be given quite a bit more credit, I think, than they are doing at the moment. You know, the big 
big brands tend to, obviously, with all the money, dominate. Yeah, the trade press. We have a role to play as well in helping you all to help promote hairdressing. I think within trade press, we have to try and get that trade press to be looked at by the uh, the national press and the local press. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't just be for hairdressers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think on the national media, I mean, you know, there was uproar last year when I think it was Jenny Murray on Women's Hour declared that she'd never let a woman be her hairdresser. She'd only ever had men hairdressers. And I think that we should all be jumping all over things like that and we should be demanding better of the The majority of hairdressers are ladies. So that was a ridiculous thing, statement to come up with. But unfortunately, it's true that, that some people feel like that. But it has to be a career choice for everybody. And Definitely. it needs to be put out that it is a valid career choice. Whether you go, you stay on the salon floor where you're happy, whether as you progress through your industry, whether your role is more of a financial role. Maybe within the industry we should be helping offer people to further their education. That if maybe they might need to do a day out as, an, as a business owner, we should be encouraging people to go on a course yeah. to learn bookkeeping, to do things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. to, to keep investing. Broaden your skills. Definitely. Yeah. I think, um, as you said before, as trade press, we have a big responsi- a responsibility as well. Once people are within hairdressing, to keep reminding them of the opportunities that are available and to keep trumpeting the competitions and art teams and development and, and yeah. profiling success stories. So it all feeds in. I mean, what would be the, the takeaway for you, Andrew, if you were telling someone now, like, how how could they get involved? How to get involved with hairdressing? No, sorry, that's my fault. More how... What, what, what they can do to help... Yeah. Forward. Promote a better Im- image. Yeah. I would say, start with yourself. Start with yourself. Go out, hold your head high. Go out and... Make sure that you're promoting your own business, yourself, politely and well within your community and the industry. If you treat others with respect, they will treat you with respect. And things only good things can come from that. That'd be the one thing I'd say to people. Mm. Hold your head high. Yeah. Go out and portray yourself as a person, your industry, and your craft and your artistic ability to the best you can. And maybe something that people can do immediately after listening to this is to do a little um, health check on either themselves and their own career if you're an independent or if you're if you're a part of a team, if you are running a business, if you're a salon owner or, or um, with a group, health check your own business. You know, what are we doing? What are we doing about our reputation? What are we doing to encourage and support? What are we doing to make sure that we are making good choices? Mm. Um, and, and also then, the social media platforms, I think, to to health check, as you say, the kind of images that your salon or yourself as a brand is putting out there. Thank you very much to Andrew, who's joined us today. Andrew Hall, the art director at Idleworld Hairdressing. You're welcome. <laughs> and Lily, we've had fun today, I think. Yeah, we certainly have. And there's been plenty of food for thought there, I think. If you've enjoyed Respectfully, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. And if you'd like to join in the conversation, you can email us at info at ihaa.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts on all of our topics. 
Until next time, goodbye. goodbye.